Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. I am so excited that I have an opportunity to share with you God's word. Yet at the same time, very concerned, just like you are, especially as we get to deal with the challenge of cults and false teachings in our midst. I believe that you have come here because you are concerned. Probably you know somebody who is already involved in a cultic group. Maybe you have come across people who have been used, abused, and misused by their involvement in false religious movements. Or maybe you are even worried that one of these days, one of your children might come home from school and will say, Daddy or Mommy, I joined a group which you already know to be a dangerous religious group or suspiciously a false one. And probably you are wondering, how can I be able to tell that this church is a good, genuine, truthful church or that the religious group where my children go or my relatives or my loved ones is actually a safe place for them where God's word is proclaimed? You probably have come with more questions on your mind and you are wondering whether you can ever find answers. I would like to let you know that God is ready to meet you at your very point of need. As we share God's word, I believe that he will guide us and direct us on how we can easily identify false teachings from what is true or what is the revealed word of God. And this will help us not just to know the differences, but to equip ourselves to resist and to respond to cults and false teachings. If you have your Bible, please, you may want to turn with me to Second Peter chapter 2 from verses 1 and 2. And let's see what the word of the Lord has to say, especially about this subject of false teachings and what it has to say, more importantly, to Christians living today. Second Peter chapter 2 from verses 1 and 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Now that is up to verse 3. The Apostle Peter is writing to believers who have acknowledged Christ Jesus as their Savior and Lord. At one time they were dead in their sins and ignorant, but now they have been renewed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. These believers have been saved by the mercy and the grace of God through His Son Jesus Christ. And as a result of what has happened to them, they are undergoing terrible suffering and persecution. They are being persecuted, they are being challenged because of their Christian convictions, but that is not all. While they are undergoing this persecution because of what they believe, they are also being challenged by preachers of a different gospel. Men and women who claimed to be fellow believers, people who claimed to know the truth, and they were perverting the truth of the gospel and misleading some of the believers. 
So the Apostle Peter begins to write to them in chapter 1 and he expounds the security of a believer. What has happened to them, what God has done in their lives and how they have responded to the work of Christ in their lives. But when we come to chapter 2, the Apostle Paul gives them the contrasting side. While true believers have become this and live in this manner, in chapter 2 Peter shows them how counterfeit believers or false teachers among them are actually distorting and denying the very Christian message that these believers have received. So in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Second Peter, we see a striking contrast between who true believers are and who counterfeit believers are. What true believers believe and how they respond to God's teachings and how counterfeit believers believe and how they respond to the falsehood that they have been enslaved with. So as we look at identifying four cults and false teachings I would like to bring your attention to this contrast of Second Peter chapter 1 and Second Peter chapter 2. And there are about six key things that I would like to show you. For instance, we want to ask ourselves such questions. How do we identify false teachings? Number one, we want to ask ourselves, what is the source of these teachings, for instance? What is the source of the message that true believers believe? And what is the source of the message that counterfeit believers receive? We want to ask ourselves questions like, can we tell falsehood by looking at the message itself? What is the substance of the message? When I hear somebody preaching, what he calls the gospel, does it have the ingredients of a biblical gospel? Or is it totally lacking in what you would call God's gospel truth? You want to look at things like, what is the position of this message? In other words, when I have listened to this message, in what position does it leave me in? Is it a position of progress to maturity, to discernment, to discipleship? Or is it a position where I am left gullible and vulnerable to anything that might come my way? So we look at the source of the message. We look at the message itself. We look at the position in which the message will leave us. But also number four, we want to look at these believers and ask ourselves, what character do these messages produce in the believers? If a certain believer has been going to a certain church or a certain religious group and is consistently sitting under the teaching of the, the leaders of this church, what kind of character do we expect to see being produced in this believer? Is it a character that is biblical or is it a character that actually contradicts what the Bible tells us Christians need to look like? But we also need to ask ourselves another question. What is the appeal? Why should we listen to this message for instance? Should we listen to this message because God has spoken? Or should we listen to this message because there is another motive as to why we should be coming to this church? And you will agree with me that today so many Christians or believers flock into different churches for different motives. For some people they go there because they have a hunger for God. For some people they go there because they realize that it is the chief end of man to glorify God, to enjoy Him and to worship Him forever. 
Yet there are very other people, many other people who will go to churches because maybe they are looking for material riches, maybe they are looking for marriages, spouses and husbands, maybe they are barren and they are looking for children and several other reasons. So what is the appeal of the message that is drawing these people from different corners to a particular church? But also we want to look at the fruit. What is the result that the message will bring in these people's lives? If these people are sitting consistently under a certain teaching, what is the outcome? We want to see how their lives reflect the results of the messages they are receiving. But then finally, we want to look at the end of this message. If a believer sits under a certain teaching from a certain church for a long time, what is going to happen at the very end of the day? Where does this message ultimately lead you? And the Apostle Peter is is going to give us a contrast of these things. He's going to be telling us, for instance, where the believer gets his message from and where the counterfeit false teachers get their message from. He's going to tell us what kind of character that the gospel message will bring in believers' lives and what kind of character that counterfeit false teaching will bring in the lives of those who follow them. So if we can go back and look at these things, we are saying that what is the source of of the message and according to first peter chapter 1 verse 16 he tells us where believers get their message from he says that true believers do not follow invented stories while counterfeit believers will always follow stories that are made up by false teachers look at second peter uh, chapter 1 from verses 16 the Apostle Peter says that we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. What is the source of this message? The Apostle Peter says that what we are telling you comes directly from Jesus Christ. And because it comes directly from Jesus Christ, it comes with the power that has ability to change people's lives. In other words, when as a believer you sit under true gospel preaching, you are bound to be transformed. There is no way you can sit under true gospel preaching consistently and your life remains the way it was before you came. And that is why I believe that many times when we see believers who have been going to church for a long time, but there is no change, no visible transformation in their lives, that might be one indicator or one confirmation that they are not sitting under the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter says, believers do not follow invented stories, but they listen, they sit under the message that comes with power and that which the apostles have been witnesses of. Not just witnesses of the message, but witnesses of the majesty of the Lord of the message. Now when it comes to counterfeit believers or false teachers, if you look at chapter 2 from verse 3a, the apostle Paul tells us the source of the message of the false teachers. And in chapter 2 verse 3a, he says that in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with the stories they have made up. So false teachers will make up stories. Either they will claim a revelation from the Lord that actually was never given to them. They will claim a vision or a dream. 
And in fact when you look at the foundation of most religious groups that we today call cultic or false religious movements, most of them have actually been founded on a false revelation. For instance, you look at the foundation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, those that we know commonly as Mormons. How does it begin? Joseph Smith Jr., a young man claiming to have received a revelation that God has, was, was telling him that all the churches that were there at his time were actually very wicked, unchristian, not godly, their creeds were an abomination, and God was telling them not to join any of them. So the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints begins under the pretext that they are a unique church based on the revelation God has given their founder and they have actually come to restore the truth that was missing in the other churches or congregations of the day. Beware of people who come with revelations and visions. We want to find out, is this God who really is speaking to them? What is the source of their message? Peter says, they exploit you with the stories they have made up. Yet for true believers, the source of the message is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But secondly, we want to look at the message itself. What is the substance of the message that we listen to? Well, believers will listen to a message that is Christ-centered. When you look at the true gospel of Jesus Christ, it will find its anchor in Jesus Christ. It will aim at exalting Jesus Christ. It will aim at explaining and applying those truths that they have learned about the Lord Jesus Christ, who has saved them and reconciled them back into a relationship with God the Father. But what about the false teachers? What is the substance of their message? Peter will tell us that their message is actually destructive heresies, erroneous teachings that seem to counterfeit the genuine gospel truth. Teachings that fall short of the standard of God's unchanging truth. Teachings that will distort, that will deny essentials of the Christian faith and eventually lead people on a path that won't bring transformation. Because transformation can only come when the truth is being proclaimed. So Peter tells us, when you look at verse 1, Peter tells us that the substance of the message for believers in verse 3 is Jesus Christ. And in verse 3 he says that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his goodness. For true believers, in Christ they have everything they need for their life here on earth and the life after. Once Christ has been embraced and he has become the center of the believer's affection and attention, they are satisfied, they are fulfilled because in Christ is everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. But what is the substance of the message of the false preachers? Peter again tells us in Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1. And he says that these false teachers 
they will be among you and they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. While the believers find their purpose, their meaning, their fulfillment, and their ultimate end in Christ Jesus, the false teachers instead bring a message that denies the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus. Now, does that mean they will stand and say, uh, don't follow Jesus, he is actually very bad, if you follow him you won't arrive in heaven? No. Quite frankly, these messages in most cases are very subtle. They might not even tell you that Jesus is bad. They might not even tell you that you should not follow him. They might on the contrary tell you that he's a wonderful man, he's a great teacher, he's a great prophet, he loves children, he's very compassionate, but they will distort his very identity, his very deity, and his very nature as the God man. And once they distort the deity of Christ Jesus, what you end up with in this teaching is a different Jesus, a false Jesus, who ultimately will not save you. They might not even deny him in that manner, but they might not make him the center of their worship service. So you come to a service where Jesus is not the center, he's just in the periphery. I have been in some congregations where you could sit for an hour and a half. You will listen to something being preached and you will never hear the name of Jesus mentioned. In fact, in most cases, you might hear the name of Jesus mentioned when they begin to pray. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He comes in not as a person, but as a name. And he still comes in as a rubber stamp to stamp what they have already prayed for and what they have already decided they deserve to have. Jesus is not the center. He's in the periphery. So by listening to the message, the substance of the message can itself tell you whether you are in a false religious movement or a dangerous religious group or whether you are actually in a true church or fellowship of believers where transformation is found, where Jesus is the center. But thirdly, we want to look at the character of the believers. Who are these believers that keep flocking into different churches? By looking at their character and their manner of lifestyle, can we easily tell whether they go in a good church or in a false church? Yes, Peter again draws a great distinction for us. For instance, in chapter 1 verse 5, Peter tells us the character of the true believer. And he says that for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Peter describes the expected character of a believer who is sitting and growing under the teaching of gospel truth. And he tells us that for those who follow through with these teachings, they are bound to develop certain characteristics like faith, like goodness, like knowledge, like godliness, like self-control, like perseverance. And Peter tells us that by looking at the lifestyle and the character of a person who claims to be a believer, you can tell whether they are being taught the word of God in the church where they go or not. But what do we expect to see about those who preach falsehood? If you look at Second Peter chapter 2 verse 10, we are told at the character you will 
likely find in those who have been fed a falsehood. And in chapter 2 verse 10 he says that this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. They are bold and arrogant and these men are not afraid to slander even celestial beings. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and accursed brood. And that in verse 14 even goes further and he tells us that they despise authority. What a striking difference. While true believers are growing in goodness, in perseverance, in love, in faith, in godliness, the people who follow false teachings are growing in arrogance, in slander, in pride, in despising of authority. So it is very categorically clear that the, the true believers will always look different from those that are fed on false teachings. And that is one way how we can understand or identify whether we are being told falsely or we are being told truly on the word of the living God. But fourthly also, we want to look at the position in which this message will leave you. We have already talked about the source of the message, the substance of the message, the character that will be produced in the lives of the believers. And now we want to ask ourselves, if I listen to this message, in what position will this message leave me? And when you read verses, uh, chapter 1 verse 4, we are told that through these, He has given us His great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. In other words, what Peter is saying is that when believers are following faithfully and are being fed on the word of God, they participate in the divine nature and they are helped or enabled to escape the corruption of the world around them. They will be living in a sinful world, yet living righteously and upright lives. They will be in a spotted world, yet seeking to live spotlessly, they will be within the world, but not of the world. But what about the counterfeit believers or the false teachers? If you look at chapter 1 from verses 18 to 19, Peter describes them in this manner. He says that, For they mouth empty boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. Wow! What a striking contrast! The true believers are doing everything possible, of course by the grace of God and the enablement of the Holy Spirit, to escape the corruption of this world. And while the true believers are seeking to escape the corruption of this world, the message of the counterfeit is instead leading their followers to that place or that position where they actually enslave those who are looking for freedom. They wait for those who are seeking to be free from the falsehood and the sinfulness of this world and they ensnare them with false promises and manipulation and intimidation. They promise them freedom which they themselves do not even have very very sad and very very uh, eye opening but also we need to look at the, the appeal of the message what is this appeal and what is the source of this appeal 
For instance, if we look at First Peter chapter 1 verse 19, we are told that the true teacher of the word will teach believers based on the certainty or the surety that scripture is the word of God. When you look at verse 19, we are told that we have the word of the prophets made more certain and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So what Peter is saying is that when true teachers of the word of God begin to teach, their source of authority and assurance is the unchanging truth of God's word. They appeal to the scriptures. They appeal to what the prophets have spoken. They appeal to God's true unchanging word. But what do the false teachers appeal to? What is their source of teaching? What is their source of knowledge? We are told in first chapter 2 verse 18, he says that, For they mouth empty boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. So while the true teacher is asking himself, what has God said in his word? What is it that I need to tell God's people based on what God has revealed about himself in his own word? While the true teacher will ask a question like that, the false teacher will instead be asking, What do the people want to hear? What will appeal to their flesh? So the true teacher appeals to the word of God, the false teacher appeals to the sinful desires of those listening to him. And you will agree with me that today we have so many pastors who are preaching messages that their followers want to hear. It is the followers now that decide what they will listen to. If the pastor does not preach according to their convenience and what pleases him, most likely he will be replaced or the people will desert his church until it's empty. But we are told that a faithful teacher of God's word, no matter the consequences, will seek to appeal to the authority of the word of God. Now having looked at the appeal, let's look at the fruit. What result does the message bring in people's lives? If you look at chapter 1 verse 8, the apostle Peter tells us that for the true believer, the message that he will hear makes him effective and productive in his or her knowledge of Jesus Christ. But how does he describe the counterfeit believers or the false teachers? In chapter 2 verse 17, he says that these men are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. So the true teachers or true believers are possessing qualities that keep them effective and productive in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the false believers and false teachers, they are springs without water, very unstable, very unbalanced, very empty in their substance and delivery. What a striking difference again. And finally, we look at the end. What is the ultimate end of those who follow the truth or of those who follow falsehood? How does it all turn out for them? Now if you look at chapter 1 verse 11, Peter tells us the ultimate end of those who believe the truth. And from verse 11 he says that, And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
You will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of the Lord. Believers who faithfully, consistently, persistently seek to live and to dwell on the word of God eventually receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of God. But what about those who follow falsehood? In chapter 2, verses 3, especially part B, he tells us that, that their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. In fact, if you go behind a little and look at verse 1, he says that they will introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So for false believers and false teachers, swift destruction awaits them, their judgment has not been sleeping. But what is the end of those who believe truly, those who follow the word of God, those who sit under the teaching of the gospel truth, we are told they will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of God. Isn't that comforting, friends? To see all this striking contrast between what happens with true believers and what happens with false believers. So how can I easily tell the difference? Well, I will look at the source of the message. I will look at the substance of the message. I will look at the position in which this message will leave those who hear it. I will look at the character that is being produced as a result of the message that they are listening to time and again. I will look at the appeal of the message. Where is the message coming from? By what standard is this message set? I will look at the fruit, the results of this message in the lives of those who receive it. And most importantly, I will look at the confirmation of God's word on what the end of these people will be. And we know that for believers, the end is a rich welcome into the kingdom of God. For those who are counterfeit, the end is swift destruction and the judgment of God, which has not been sleeping and which will soon overtake them. I hope this encourages you. I hope this raises your discernment antenna to know the different things to look at in order to identify or tell the difference between truth and falsehood. May the Lord abundantly bless you. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.